Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, one and all, to the Storybox podcast. Place to be if you're a lover of stories learning, growth, and if you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people all over the world of every profession. I'm grateful and truly blessed that you're here today and that you've decided to listen in. Now let's dive into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? Fantastic. I hope you guys are keeping safe and remaining as blessed as you possibly can be in this world that we are living in. Very interesting times indeed. And I guess my next guest is going to help shed some light in a lot of different areas today. It's a lot of fun and I know you guys are going to love him because I I, I love this story and he's just a, a bright personality and has a lot of love to, to, to give and to really show the world uh, with his message and, and his story. So my next guest is none other than Darren Olian. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, he's the co-host with Zac Efron of, on the widely popular Netflix docuseries called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. And I actually said it should be with Zac Efron and Darren Olian, but anyway. And he's the host of the number one health and wellness podcast, The Darren Olean Show. Darren is a highly recognized exotic superfoods hunter, supplement formulator, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Super Life, The Five Fixes That Will Help You uh, Keep You Healthy, Fit, and Eternally Awesome. This guy is an awesome guy. You're going to soon hear why. Uh, Darren worked with fitness company Beachbody to formulate one of the top superfood shakes in the USA a whole food supplement called Shakeology, as well as the plant-based Ultimate Reset 21-Day Detoxification Program. He has done so many other amazing things. I know you guys are going to absolutely love uh, what we talk about on this episode. He's a deep thinker, and I appreciate and love deep thinkers as well. I wish I had more time with Darren. I had so many more questions. But anyway, um, please, if you do get something from this, share it around with your friends and family helps to go a long way to build this incredible community and spread some love, show the love right now. It's a love week or it should be love year for everyone. (laughs) But I appreciate you guys helping out and constantly tuning in. Please, please also leave a five-star rating and review over on our podcast if you do enjoy this episode. It's very helpful. Uh, So without me going on and on and on, you guys know what time it is. It's time for me to be quiet finally. 
to get down to earth and dive into the story box and listen to the story of the man who lives a super life, Darren Olian. Hey, brother. I'm, I'm stoked and honored to be here. Thank you so much, man, for making the time. I've been looking forward to this conversation ever since we scheduled it and ever since I saw the documentary series with Zach Efron. It was an amazing documentary series. Um, before we dive into your backstory and, and how you got started doing all this incredible stuff, I have one question that I love asking all my guests, which is, what does success look like for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an evolving quest, I think. It's uh, number one, happiness and contentment in my heart and myself. Mm. Uh, and then everything kind of lines up from there. If I'm pursuing things that line up with that, I'm happy. Even in the pursuit, even though we all want to hit goals and everything. But success really is, I mean, to further that point, the understanding of who I am, what I am, and what I'm about at the core of my essence. I mean, that's the more I understand myself, the more successful I am. And, mm. and, and, and that kind of pales in comparison to the, the quote-unquote perceived success out in the world. Um, so the more I know myself, the more I can navigate this life uh, more powerfully as a, as a human being. Mm, that is beautiful, man. When was the moment that you understood that this was success for you, understanding yourself, who you are, your values, your character, making things that make you happy. When was that moment? Was it a, a gradual thing over time or was there a catalyst moment? I think it's, uh, I mean, it's several catalysts to, I think, you know, pain and strife in this world certainly is an opportunity for discovery mm. because I don't think things happen to us. I think they're happening for us on, on a grand scale. We don't often understand what they are at the time they're happening or why they are or what's happening or what the opportunity is. But I think always having this inkling in myself to investigate my responsibility to how I'm reacting to things and my responsibility of, to the best of my ability, taking responsibility for things that are happening around me. Um, what's the common denominator? What, what magnetism am I putting out or not putting out that's creating events in my life? So it's certainly been, you know, a, a gradual but continued um, unfoldment of that principle. And I certainly, from losing everything, you know, I have, uh, you know, in the, in the end of that episode, losing, you know, everything I had in, in the fire, uh, that was certainly a, a monumental moment that, again, garnered strength inside myself and a, a, a fortitude that further showed me that what you do with things is ultimately the greatest opportunity we have. So, so I, I can't stay on a victim mentality very long. I have to uh, turn it inward and then 
extract what the truth is for me. And that, and that is a continually humbling journey, but one I, I bring on in terms of learning, you know, it's simply just learning, uh, how to be a better human. Um, and that, and I believe it's, there's from whispers, uh, feather touches to big old wallops that, that happen with people in our lives dying or getting in accidents or, you know, losing jobs and losing homes. Like those are big, big events. And, and I think that the small, I think the universe, the creator, God, whatever you want to call it is always communicating to us. So I like to attune myself to those messages as much as possible to just kind of understand the science of this mystery in the best way that I can. Mm. I'm curious because you mentioned going through pain and then you also mentioned losing your house and everything that you had in, in the fire, which is pretty devastating for any stretch of the imagination. But I want to go back to, I guess, how you grew up. Did you always, like what were some of the, the, the stories that you could share of some of the moments that you went through either whispers of pain, like little, little moments of pain or the big ones? Yeah, I think, well, you know, it, it really does go all the way back. I've had some spontaneous kind of lucid experiences of myself being born uh, drug free, by the way. Uh, just the, just the, you gotta say that now and again, because people do a lot of, a lot of psychedelics these days, but, um, but that wasn't. And so I realized that there was a lot of trauma around my birth. Uh, I was three and a half pounds. I was two months early. I, I almost died. And that the only reason I say that is because that acknowledged a, a deep fear I had or a deep fragility or frailty I felt upon my first breath and it continued. And so that programming throughout my childhood was very much like, oh, so, you know, I'm, I'm broken. I'm not strong. I'm vulnerable. Uh, but the more I kind of took steps, started eating better as a kid, picked up, you know, my first understanding of working out, uh, realized that getting myself stronger, uh, I had more control than I thought. And uh, certainly going down that road and broken relationships and parents getting divorces and, and things like that, uh, losing friends, death, all of those things have always been opportunity. And there, and I believe, um, you know, obviously there's bigger moments, but I really try to cultivate the small moments every day and try to recapitulate my day. Like, Hey, how was that? And that's a morning ritual for me where I really sit with and take an inventory where I am who I am, what, what direction am I going to? And is it attuned? Is it lined up with who I am, with where I'm going? And that literally it's a micro movement, right? It's, it's a, it's a constant kind of uh, dialing in the radio frequency 
Um, so I do do that on a daily basis and try to listen as much as possible, as much as, you know, I'm running my dog yesterday and a huge uh, giant owl flies right in front of me. And th those moments are easy to blow off and just go, amazing, that's a great owl. But for me, I start asking a few questions within that. And maybe there's a message. Maybe there isn't. Maybe I don't know it. But maybe there is something that pops up. Or today I had a pain in my neck and I, my mom popped in my head. I'm like, oh, I got to call my mom. And it's so easy to blow off this intuition and, and this space that we have between no other person and us, this, this mystery of this creation, this, this way that, the, that this universe can communicate to us. We've all had them. We've all had that, you know, the, the goosebumps and the hair standing up on our, you know, the back of our neck. We've all had that stuff. So what if, what if there was a constant communication between you and this mystery? And it could be through prayer. It could be through silence. It could be just waking up throughout the day so that. Maybe, just a question, maybe if we don't listen on a, on a subtle level, maybe that then does contribute to a bigger slap, not out of punishment at all, but out of awakening opportunity. Because it's like anything, if you have a friend that's trying to tell you something and you're not listening, mm -hmm. he gets louder, he gets louder, and he gets louder, you're not listening to me. And it's a very certain thing that maybe the universe does that too. So um, I like to just make sure that I'm attuning myself. And listen, I fail too. I fail all the time of not listening. And then, you know, so those are the kinds of subtle things that I work on on a consistent basis for sure. A wise man once told me when it comes down to pain, he's like, pain is inevitable, but your attitude towards the pain that is your choice and you can choose whether or not you want to embrace it and accept it and be happy that it is here even though it hurts and and learn as much as you can from it or you can go the complete opposite you can go in absolute misery you can be depressed and i've been through like my fair share of pain too and i'm only 24 years old and I can go back to when I was born too and say that I was born fighting. Um, I wasn't premature or anything like that, but I was born with kidney reflux and scar tissue on my right kidney. And when you're a little baby, having kidney reflux and scar tissue on your kidney is not a good thing because you're, you're trying to develop, you're trying to survive. And I also got at two years old, I ended up, getting some of food poisoning and um, it literally dehydrated my entire body from all the vomiting and the diarrhea. And I almost died. I was about, the doctors were saying I was an hour away from death. They couldn't find a vein in my entire body to put fluids in me. And the amazing thing about that is I still remember the hospital that I was in. I still remember the room. And I still remember screaming because I was in absolute agony. Yeah. 
But the amazing thing, when I look back at all these moments, like this is one, Darren, all these moments of, I've almost died three times. I've had health issues like you would not believe and just all these events. I wouldn't change anything for the world because it's made me who I am today. And it sounds like it's made you into the man that you are today. And what I'm curious about, Darren, is how did you grow up? Like, what did you want to be when you got older? Well, thank you for telling me that story. Um, I can relate from the frailty of trying to survive. I too can remember the room and the nurses and the energy, more importantly, the frantic energy. And I just wanted my mom at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, what was your question again? I want to, I want to say like, I still remember the, uh, the movie that was on, it was the Lion King. Oh, wow. And my brother, he had, he had the same thing. He had some, uh, he was right beside me, but he was older and the circle of life came on. And I was just like, this this incredible moment, man. I, I kid you not that whenever I remember it, I remember the nurses' faces like just smiling because in that moment I just stopped the pain and I just started smiling. Wow. Like when the circle of life came on. <laughs> and it, it was like this this incredible moment, man. But my my question was, um, how did you grow up? Like what were the lessons that you learned? What did you want to be when you grew up? And did you always see yourself doing this? Uh, definitely not <laughs> to to the last question. I, I, I was a normal kid from, you know, a small town in Minnesota, um, you know, uh, middle class worked hard, um, you know, from farmers and ranchers and, uh, kind of Norwegian upbringing, uh, a little bit. And, um, you know, my dad was an ag professor at the University of Minnesota. I don't know, very simple, but I know the exact time when my dad asked me what I wanted to do. I want to be a vet. I just, I just, you know, it's the first thing I thought of because I loved animals so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never pursued it. Uh, became a normal kid, played sports. And really when I became 16 and, you know, my health started getting a lot stronger and I packed on muscle and uh, then I really started aggressively playing sports and, and American football. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, my parents, even though their relationship was not great at all, I knew that they loved me both uh, independently and that's huge. Um, So as a child, when at least, you know, even though, I woke up every single day of my life with my parents arguing like at a, at a Richter scale that was pretty high. Um, so the idea of calm, peaceful, loving relationship, I definitely did not learn. Um, but I knew that my parents loved me and that was huge. And they supported me and really just let me, kind of be free to figure out what I wanted to do, even though they had certain, you know, pushing me into 
you know, what they thought religion was and all of this stuff. But, but largely that kind of dissipated over time. And, and, uh, you know, and then I was, it was really when I, I was playing college football, uh, again, American football, and I got hurt, I got injured uh, with a lower back issue. And I couldn't play anymore. So I, I got depressed a bit and transferred schools. And then that light bulb went off. I said, well, I need help because I'm not getting the help that I need to get strong again. Again, that pattern, right? The pattern kind of got supported of like, I'm not feeling strong. I'm feeling frail. I'm feeling weak. So I decided to then take that on and study nutrition, study physiology, study kinesiology. Uh, so, so when that kind of turned on, it was just this miracle fascination with the body. And then, uh, I started, uh, out of school, I started working with another physiologist and we started helping people in rehab and learn how to move their bodies and, and prevent. And then I started on the side, I started doing this research around nutrition and got kind of, uh, taken under a wing by a doctor who would you know, before the internet was really a big thing, you just drop stacks and stacks of functional medicine. It wasn't even called that at the time. Functional medicine journals and research about, I remember one of the first things I read was, you know, cinnamon is supportive and pre and pre-diabetic and diabetic in terms of lowering uh, insulin sensitivity. And I was just like, wait a minute, what? Mm -hmm. Like you can take this thing that's that I thought was just for cinnamon toast and it was actually medicinal. And, uh, you know, so that kind of turned that part of me on. And then the more I kind of looked into that world, the more I was disgusted by the quality of supplements and food. And, and so really the, the Minnesota farm kid essentially, uh, had to go see, the people who grow it, grew it and grew these herbs, then these botanicals that I was finding that I was fascinated with that I was starting to formulate with. And then that's where kind of I started traveling and the traveling, you know, from the jungles to the mountaintops to many countries, it was really the innocence of just wanting to understand the process and want to see the people who are growing these things and learn directly from them. So it became, you know, an exotic superfood hunter story, but it was nothing about that. It was literally just, I want to go see these people and understand the process so that when I, if I do formulate with these things and use them, I want to make sure it's good for the people, good for the planet. And there's a better quality that's getting into these people's bodies. And mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, that kind of is how it, how it all came to be. And the more you kind of poke out in the world, the more you see, obviously. And then so the environment, uh, the environmental issues that I saw from no shelter, from uh, waterborne diseases killing people, uh, to poor food systems, to ha having no power anywhere, I was just astonished that in this day and age, more times than not, I was in places where people didn't have these basic needs. So I think on the one hand, I think we're failing as a human family, like extremely disturbing how bad we're failing as 
as a human family, as countries, as governments, hell, there's people starving in our country, in the U.S. Like, it, it's not like it's so far away. It's not like you need to see this in exotic countries or third world countries. It's here. All of these issues are here. Um, and we're all vulnerable to them. So we have billions of people on the planet that are living below poverty level. And so I think uh, governments have failed us. And so I, I like to use that and immobilize actionable things that we can start doing. And largely, I'm, I'm still in infancy in terms of really what my mission is, and that's helping people and helping the planet in every way possible as long as I can live and do that. Uh, and it really takes many different shapes and uh, many different ways. But the more I'm collaborating and the more I seem to be magnetic, mag, magnetizing to the same type of people, the more I'm inspired because there are great people doing great things, but the delusion is that someone else is going to do it or the government's going to do it or someone else has got that and I don't need to worry about that. And that's, that's the delusion I think we, we live in and we also don't want to see it. It's not easy to admit, um, you, you know, look at, look at South Africa. No one knows right now that there is groups of people in South Africa going out and literally raping, killing children, wives, fathers of, of farmers just trying to take their land back. And it's happening brutally as if it was, you know, 400 AD. Uh, and so it's happening right now. No one knows about it. The government's not acknowledging it. Major media's censoring it. But I directly was in communication on the ground with a South African this morning with images of that stuff happening. And so as a human family, uh, the more you see, the more you realize that we need to change in several, several, <laughs> several ways. And, and so it's not to be it's not to bring people down, it's to, it's to take action in the way, uh, in the right way, in the moral way, in the, in the, in the way that we can all understand uh, and, and really out of common sense, not out of politics. You know, in everyone that's working with me, I'm talking to a lot of Gen Zs and a lot of people mobilizing ways to help support and one thing I say is no politics. So if you're going to be working with me, zero politics, zero judgment, none of it. Don't want anything to do with it. That is not how I'm going to get anything done. Um, I, I just don't want to play in that game. That's for me. There's other people doing great work and all of those things. I support campaigns. Hell, I'm even starting a lobbying for some power sovereignty, but it's not, I'm not making a political statement and verbalizing all of that stuff. I'm just going down the path of creating more freedoms and choices for people. So, yeah, so it's an interesting, interesting world, but, but, you know, that's a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, I, I, I know it's overwhelming. A lot of our, our, our things that are not working 
in the world, especially now. The beautiful thing, if I could say it that way, is that it's almost like with COVID, with the elections, with government, and even with this massive censoring, we're seeing it for the first time. We're seeing on a mass scale how people are manipulating the system. So even whatever you believe in on whatever side, it's happening. So I think that it's almost like if you want to clean your closet and you haven't cleaned your closet in a long time, you have to clean it all out. And if you come in too early, there's going to be a lot of junk all over the ground. And so I think we're in that place. There's a lot of junk all over the ground and we need to, you know, we need to rebuild ourselves back up again and stand for one another and, and, and choose for the health of ourselves as a human, ourselves as, as support and be uh, supportive of our dissentient beings on the planet who have every, other, every right to have a life that's not corrupted by us. Uh, all the animals, all the insects, all the worms, all the, you know. Uh, and then we need to steward better of this planet. It's not that I... We need a human change for this planet, not a, the climate's going to do what it's going to do. We need us to change. Preach. <laughs> keep, keep talking. Like, <laughs> you're, you're saying everything that is um, so true. And what I want to ask you, Darren, is do you see, do you foresee that the, the earth is going to heal and we're going to get back to a place of goodness, flourishing, not much hate anymore, proper governments, the, the earth is, and animals were living in harmony. Do you believe that it's possible? A hundred percent. hundred percent, I believe it's possible. Don't know when. Uh, and it might, get, it might get better right now. It might get worse right now. Um, but I wouldn't do any of it if I didn't have hope. Um, and so I, I know that the man in the mirror that I look at, I'm committed, I'm dedicated, I'm passionate. And as long as I keep attuning to that, I will go down with my last breath, making the adjustments and, and pushing forward in a way that hopefully helps humanity and this planet. And, and at least at that point, I'm free. My soul is free. I'm free. I can't control the billions of people on the planet. Um, but I can align with some great ones. I can move forward as a, as a tribe of good warriors. And we can do our freaking damnedest to, even if we put a smile on someone's face, allowed them to have a greater sense of freedom, and we start inching our way towards it, I, I'm, I'm going for it. So there's just no other choice for me. I am I, I, not interested in sitting back and just, hell, I could have retired 10 years ago with some of the stuff I did. Uh, 
honestly. And that's like, that, that, that doesn't even equate. It doesn't even register in my world. It's just like how many, there's so many projects I do that have nothing to do with, I don't even know how I'm ever going to make money on this project, but it's not about that. And there's some that make sense to make money. So it's, I'm not saying divorce money, but I, what I'm saying is that the freedom of moving forward, again, I think that that's where we can free ourselves now with, with doing what we know to be true. And that right then is a prayer and a change that is collective and it's felt collectively. But if we're all, you know, judgmental, angry, bitter, and aggressive, that is not what we need in the world. Divisiveness, you know where that goes. There's no part of me that's going to convince somebody that's already convinced of their point of view that they're going to change from an argument or telling them they're an asshole or telling them whoever whatever political stance they take is bullshit like it it's not going to change anybody that person just digs their heels and more what i'd rather do is going do you see that child right there that child that is scooping up water from a fecal infested cesspool with cattle all around it in the middle of Africa and bringing that home two kilometers and they need to drink water or they'll die and they have to drink that water. So they're playing Russian roulette every day. Do you think that's right? Let's come together and change that scenario as one example of the 9,000 kids that are dying every day of waterborne diseases. So that's not something anyone needs to argue about. It's just a matter of how can we get that done? And so that's, that's where I'd like to go and create this group of people and collaborators to find solutions, non-political solutions to help children like that and to help sovereignty, gain our sovereignty, our our heart sovereignty of realizing that we are powerful, amazing beings. Let's pull that back. Let's shut off this manipulation of mainstream media. Let's pull our sovereignty back as powerful humans. And then let's put our energy, I'm going to put my energy towards sovereignty of being able to create power to microgrid the world rather than these monopolies that largely one burned my house down. Uh, because of a derelict pool uh, pole that came down, and food sovereignty. Let's get people access to food, healthy food, uh, water sovereignty. So it's all of these things that are that are the pillars of what I'm dedicated to, and and many others. But um, that's what I stand for ultimately. What has been the most confronting, man, I'm loving this conversation. It's like, it's so true, so real. But what, is, what has been the most confronting sight for you that you've ever witnessed? Sort of challenged your perspective on life and 
in person. I mean, I had one of the most confronting things happen today um, about the South Africa thing. Uh, a, a, a ranger that I uh, been in touch with from South Africa sent me verbal messages, which I listened to. I could hardly listen. And then real pictures from these farmers in South Africa being brutalized and killed. Um, I just can't even get my head around it. I, I, you know, and then physically being out in the world from like in Africa, uh, is obviously very memorable because, because you're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of children that don't have anything and are literally a percentage of them that I'm looking at are dying and are dead now. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the level of poverty, the level of death that's on their doorstep that has stripped them of a childhood, uh, those are just... You know, the innocence of a child is, is just, uh, and you feel so helpless. It's, it's hard to, uh, you know, I've worked a lot with water charities and, and things like that. And, um, and it feels, I, I, the only way I can wrestle with some of this stuff is being able to move in action around it. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and several other things, um, you know, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it so intensely right now because it's, it's, uh, we had some things in, 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 in Brazil happen, uh, today, uh, where, uh, some people that we knew, uh, cause we're, we, we, with our one of our companies down there, uh, some people that were working for us who knew somebody just got killed because of a bad road. And, and it just, you know, the fragility of life is just so intense that, um, it's so easy to be in our bubble and to, you know, to, to be so selfish. Um, and listen, I'm not infallible. Like I, I, I'm trying to do the best I can. Um, but I, again, leaving it on a high note, I am inspired by the people, by the organizations, by the companies, by the money coming from big entities, big companies that are putting money into helping the environment into, uh, you know, for example, I've been in touch with visa and visas putting literally putting money into helping small businesses, which is dying right now, right? Uh, a company uh, that I just signed on as an advisor for to help get their message out is one of the biggest alternatives to single-use plastic. So they're creating out of fibers and, and called Footprint, and they're using fibers, and they're working with Cargill, Pepsi, McDonald's, these companies right now. 
So my point is that there is hope that there is great things happening. So it's not to go, you know, we need to see what's going on in order for us to mobilize and and make changes for sure. And again, I think it's part of our flaw. We don't want to see it and we don't want to acknowledge all of it. Uh, We just want to separate our plastic, for example, put it in a a bin and then magically have the garbage collector take it away and not, and not realize that 93% of that plastic that you just separated is not being recycled at all. And it's just being buried in the planet, in the ground. So we're living in a bit of a delusion. And we, and I think with COVID and everything else, you know, people that have controlled us and systems that haven't had our best interest, we need to change these things. Mm. I like how you mentioned the control aspect. It's very true. And <laughs> especially with the, the censorship and governments and all that sort of stuff. I mean, we saw it in Melbourne. Not, like they were locked down for weeks. And even though the COVID cases started to ease up, they were still locked in their homes. and it was the only, only state in the whole world that was in total lockdown for that long. And you got to think, why? Yeah. And like, the, I feel so sorry for the people of Melbourne because they were locked in their houses. They had strict guidelines and rules, but that's not freedom. That's not like human rights just go out the window. It's like, what is it? Like we're being controlled by higher power. You think they, and then we wonder why we have all these problems. We wonder why we have riots. We wonder why we have so much hate in the world. It's because of other people that are, have that level of power. They want to control. Yeah, when the data doesn't support that level of lockdown, no, you, you just, know it's. Yeah, a partner I partner I talk with on a daily basis from from Melbourne. I mean, I'm just like this is insane. I mean, the rest of the Australia is totally fine, and these guys are just it's a, literally a prison state. But mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of corruption, right? There's some political corruption and major, yeah, major yeah. corruption. Yeah. And you got to think like as as the leader of the country, I I know personally. I wouldn't stand for any kind of corruption, but I just think you've got so many people around you whispering in your ear, could do this, do that. But you, you got to stand up like, (laughs) and what, what are some things that we can do right now to sort of make, make a difference, make our own difference. And I would like, if we're living in, uh, Australia, for example, which is a first world country, what are some things that we can do to help our environment, to help people that are in poverty? Well, one thing is sure, is for sure, we do need to take care of ourselves. If you are behind, what I mean by that is if you are sick, tired, depressed, 
overwhelmed, stressed out, you have to take care of your house. You have to do everything you can to build yourself back up. And I'm a huge proponent of live healthy, eat good food, drink good water, eliminate the toxins. Because once you start filling yourself up, literally, of goodness, of good food, good nutrition, exercise, then you actually have more energy to give. It's really hard if, if, if you're saying to someone, hey, you know, give, and they have no idea even how to give themselves because they're lacking the, the, the habits in their own life to get them out of this despair. And, and now more than ever, because of these lockdowns, it's even more tricky. But this is the opportunity. The opportunity is steer your life right now. Everyone listening, right now. Move towards what you know to be true. Take care of yourself. Eat good water. Eat more plants. Drink good water. Eat more plants. Surround yourself with better people. Take care of your inner world. Love yourself. And then, at that point, any organization that's helping to feed people, hell, in your, start with your local community. Know who then is in your town, who's maybe elderly, who's maybe alone, like reach out and reach out to them and, and it's, and build your community back up. Uh, and then, yeah, there's some, you know, great organizations. Um, UNICEF is a great organization helping children. Um, there's a great documentary tales of light that's a great organization. Friend of mine, Orlando Bloom, is actually in it. He's helped uh, UNICEF for a long time. Uh, it's a gorgeous film about the children. So UNICEF, I was blown away. UNICEF's doing a lot of great things. So again, but you have to, we have to learn as humans to literally take care of ourselves. Our life is precious, and that's not selfish. That's necessary. When you are healthy, you're not dragging around a body that's not working. You're then able to be a contributive, powerful member of a movement moving, moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like to just tell people what to do. I literally take care of your house, you know, take care of this house, you. And then if you can make adjustments or you're feeling great, then great. Start contributing to your community and to or other organizations and, and start mobilizing with people who think this way. And the more people we can get to move forward, then we can create, put those things into action. We can raise money. We can change policy, et cetera, et cetera. And that movement moves the needle within governments because, again, we, we, we put too much power in the government. We keep giving our power away. We need to actually take it back and steer the government. Also, what you can do is be aware of the companies that you're buying things from. That's as good as voting. Because every time you buy this cheap product that has chemicals, pesticides, uh, sugar, all of this stuff in it, you're saying to that company, I want you in business. So we need to stop with that stuff. Be aware of companies doing good for the environment, that are good for you, that are creating healthy products. And that is a way to help those companies build a strong business 
because they're pleomorphically helping many other things and just getting you a cheap product. Mm. So those are some very powerful ways as an individual. And they tell your friends, hey, check out this company, this incredible, you know, nut, this incredible uh, superfood, this incredible uh, convenient, uh, you know, beyond meat burger, whatever it is, uh, you know, that's, that's super helpful. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that is, um, a lot of good wisdom for people to take on board and you're right. It is their choice to take it on board or not. And do take care of this. Cause if you don't have this, you don't have anything else. So, that's right. Uh, two more questions for you, Darren, if you don't mind. I've loved this conversation. Uh, you've got this, this new docu-series with Zac Efron, Down to Earth. And I'm curious, what was the, the one place that you went to that was your favorite that sticks out in your mind? Hmm. I mean, it's really hard because they were, they were all so precious each episode I, I you know because you know i contributed to that those stories and to the initiatives and to all that stuff so i mean hanging out with dr longo and talking to the hundred year olds in sardinia was extraordinary and and the water episode at lourdes was so mm -hmm. that ceremony at the end was so moving uh and just the just the the sheer numbers of people coming there and looking for you know health and change and a miracle uh was extraordinary and then you know the mystery of 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 Iceland uh you know I had a couple of days off and I went foraging with medicinal plants and I could I could stay in Iceland for a long time just exploring because it's like a different planet so there was just a lot of special moments for sure. And what was something that Zach taught you about life and about yourself? Oh, good question. No one's asked me that yet. Um, you know, I think, I think from the beginning, Zach, you know, it's funny because you know, I, I had this idea of the show, no idea how I was going to get it out in the world. Zach reached out to me because he was touched by another podcast I was on. And this roundabout way, he obviously brought me into an existing show. We changed it to this idea and it morphed into the show. And But I think the thing that, that touched me the most, number one, Zach was awesome. Upon first meeting him, we just vibed. It was great. But the thing that touched me the most was because I never wanted to do a show with a celebrity. I really didn't. I didn't want it to be that thing where it was like it's celebrity focus. It takes away from the mission. But he said this to me early on. He said, I'm sitting on all of these people that follow me. But what is it for? I don't hawk products. I don't, I could make a lot of money, you know, sponsoring products and posting them on social. I, I want things to change and I want to use my platform for change. And, and that was it. That was the moment to me where I was like, 
that's amazing. Wasn't expecting it. Wasn't expecting to do a show with Zach. But that moment solidified it to me. And the fact that, you know, he's got a busy schedule, he's got a big team. The fact that he showed up and ran around the planet with me for three and a half months and was open and curious and cared, those things, um, and felt like my little brother. All of those things surprised me and uh, it was uh, extraordinary. You can tell in the the series when you watch it, you can tell like the brotherhood and <laughs> it's it's really unreal. So yeah. um, my final question for you, Darren, this is my all-time favorite question that I ask everyone at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it. We'll just call it magic. They just did and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say in a show about your life? Jesus. It's a hell of a question. I want, I want people to not only viewing that, I want them to be crying in joy because they know I cared. Uh, they know I set out to accomplish everything that I wanted to. They know that it showed that I never compromised, no matter how any accolades or attention that I never wavered from the care, from the mission. Um, and that millions of people were touched by that, that weren't just touched by it, but were inspired to do that themselves. Mm. That, is, <laughs> that is beautiful. I love it. Darren, an absolute joy, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for your, your kindness, everything that you're putting out there into the world. It is truly, truly inspiring. Thank you for the challenge as well. Thank you for who you are. And thank you so much for your story and for coming on the Storybox podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Epic questions. Love it, brother. Thank you. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, 
I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.